Imperial Seekers, Explorers and uh, Renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. As always, we don't shy away from sensitive subjects. Uh, Today we're talking about self-care, and uh, oftentimes self-care is mistaken for selfish behavior, but a lot of times you will see that filling your own cup before helping others is the only way that you can show up and actually be of service to others because if you're not fully satisfied within yourself how are you then supposed to help others so taking that step to take care of yourself first will then enable you to show up and be of service to others but of course it is a fine balance and that is some of the aspects we're going to discuss today so uh, I hope you're going to enjoy this uh, discussion with our audience members from the public who share their own experiences and their wisdom. Enjoy! Karl Lagerfeld uh, might not be known to many as a mindfulness guru, but uh, apparently there's some uh, nuggets of gold that came from him. And uh, he did say, don't sacrifice too much because you are... Uh, let's see, (laughs) if you sacrifice too much, there is nothing else you can give and nobody will care for you. I think that also uh, kind of reflects on the, some of the the balance that you have to take between uh, self-care and uh, selfishness, right? Uh, And I think that's where most of us end up going wrong because we say, oh, I got to take care of everybody else. Uh, that's my duty, that's my job, you know, if you have a family, etc. So we burn our, rather burn ourselves out and find ourselves in a situation where we are unable to take care of others uh, because we've basically uh, uh, used up all our own energy. So the, the premise is that we... It's part or it's it's in your own uh, your own and everybody else's interest that you fill your cup before you help filling others uh, or other uh, the cups of others. So we tend to live our lives depleting ourselves until we realize that it's no longer viable, and then suddenly we make a change and we start filling up our own cup. But then everybody around us are so used to us being there to help fill up their cups that there's going to be this change and this break that people are not going to be comfortable with. Um, And people will then not understand why you suddenly, in their eyes, have become selfish. So it is, I think, a good strategy to teach our children to fill their cups before they help fill others because then everybody will know that this is the way it is and it won't be seen as anything uh, strange or weird so what are your feelings on self-care what where do you in your own experiences where have you found yourself trapped in in the uh, the paradigm of helping others before you help yourself. I mean, we all know that in, when you go on an airplane, they always say that, you know, put on your own oxygen mask first before you help others, right? So, and that's perfectly acceptable, but when we're doing the in our normal lives, <laughs> not so much. 
Um, a lot of times, a lot of things are based on what you think about if you're a good person or a bad person. So I think a lot of times people will focus on the fact that a good person is always giving and always giving and always giving, whereas a bad person is selfish where they're always focusing on themselves. And I think that part of the journey of life is to be able to find that balance of where you allow yourself to receive and then you also allow yourself to give in the sense of where it's a continuum. It's a it's a flow of energy in the sense of where when you when you give and receive, it becomes this almost like a ball of energy that starts to take a momentum on all of itself. And but I know personally my own journey in the last year or so, I've totally been receiving impaired of where it's like I just don't trust that people are going to be there to give to me. So therefore I feel like I have to give to myself. So that has completely shifted. And now that I'm allowing other people to have that reciprocity, things have shifted completely. So I think it's still, it's that whole thing of where what you're talking about is a flow. There has to be the giving and the receiving, and it has to flow to the point of where it's almost like it becomes like a gyroscope. And then it has all of this momentum and energy and synergy that then can be able to be manifesting things all over the place. Well, and I, I think it's it's like a balloon that <clears throat> once you fill the balloon with uh, you know self care for yourself, um, then the balloon also has the ability to expand, and you can you can fill more energy within it. Um, but you then also can sp- uh, share that uh, energy with others as well, um, as opposed to just sharing out uh, en- that energy to others and not filling up uh, your own energy uh, for yourself, right? Especially for, um, I think, healers or physicians or you know people that are in caring professions, they tend to give, 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 give without uh, receiving, right? And, or allowing themselves to be recipients of uh, that same help. Um, and that's what you're talking about there, Barbie, with uh, uh, being receiving impaired, right? It's the inability to allow others to care for you. If you are someone who are have, have a propensity for just giving all the time. But now we, then we do end up in a situation where we deplete ourselves, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, then, then it becomes a chronic illness or other things like that. And you know, as you're talking about it too, I'm just reflecting on the fact that it's kind of funny that the older that we get, the more that we actually start taking care of ourselves in the sense of getting the right food and sleep and all those other kind of things and relaxation and exercise. Because I remember like in college, the times when I would be like cramming for an exam and I'd like slam a big old pot of coffee and drink like eight or nine cups of coffee and just stay up all night. And then the next morning you'd wake up at you know, like 10 o'clock and you overslept and you didn't make the exam because you stay up all night and stupid stuff like that. So it's like when you're young, you think that you're just completely invincible and you can just party all night and just do whatever you want to do. And then, you know, and then you watch children who just eat nothing but junk food. And it's like, no, you can't eat sugar and frappuccinos from Starbucks is not breakfast. You know, it's like, those are things where it doesn't make any sense. But I think the older that you get and the more balanced of a life that you have, the more that you realize you have to really just kind of focus on taking care of the body and those needs. And then you can kind of like, you know, once those things are taken care of, then you can focus on other things. I think a lot of people 
actually quite a few people don't actually end end up taking care of themselves in the end anyway because they are so stuck in their in their routine of giving 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 or you know not focusing on their own needs uh only focusing on others right yeah and i think too though that 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 ends up as you said it ends up burning people out or they get to the point of where they they develop some sort of an illness that kind of like will take them out and that's something of where it's like I know one of the things I focus on is being the VIP of your own life. And so that means that, you know, buy yourself like bath products that have an amazing smell and have like, you know, citrus, strawberry smell to them and, you know, sugar scrubs and, and, you know, nice shampoos and things that just make you happy because it's the kind of thing of where it's like, you only have one body and being able to make it kind of more of an enjoyable experience rather than you get the utilitarian, you know, like little bar of soap. And then she's like, okay, scrub, scrub, scrub. And then you're done. It's like, instead, you know, make it a party, have a shower, take your, take care of yourself, you know, like make it of where it's, it's something of where it's almost like a, you're, you're decorating the temple as opposed to just, you know, oh, I have to take care of this body and it has all these needs and et cetera, et cetera. And I think if you kind of shift your perspective to the fact that you're honoring yourself, it almost kind of shifts your energy also in a positive way where people also kind of respond to that. And it's, it's an unconscious thing that they're not sure why, but they do. Yes. And that, then comes into being in uh, being present in what you're doing like we were talking about before we started recording here um, and that doesn't mean that you have to ignore your quote-unquote uh, self-imposed uh, responsibilities against others if you start out being present right so mm-hmm. for example you know preparing food is such a beautiful process with where you engage all your senses you know you taste the uh, sauce you smell the flavors you know you have all of the you know you're uh, touching uh, the uh, food that you're preparing and you put your heart and soul into it and you are present there when you're doing it and that then actually becomes part of that healing process because you are present with it and if you can do that as a family then you get that part of the connection as well so um then i i think for me one of the few things that i do spend a lot of money on it's or expensive items that uh, item that i buy is my perfume because uh, i love that you know rich you know uh, luxurious fragrance um so it like you were saying before about you know spending time taking care of yourself it doesn't have to mean that you're neglecting everybody else but when you are doing these things that you do anyway then uh, spend that extra time and care of uh, making sure that you you feel good about it you you get that use of all your senses that's the word so when we're looking at taking care of ourselves we have the physical mental and spiritual uh so physical, we have food, exercise, hydration, sleep, hygiene, and so forth. Mental, it's about gaining perspective, having awareness, uh, you know, allowing our emotions. Spiritual, we talk about purpose, being present, connection with others, understanding, um, all of these things. So where do we end up feeling like we're 
bad people if we take care of ourselves in in these uh, different different areas. Why is it that we feel guilty when we sit down and just take a moment to reflect? I haven't figured that one out yet, but <laughs> I mean, I do I do 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 that, and I don't feel guilty. So it's. But I can remember a time when uh, I would have felt guilty about that. If I wasn't working, then I wasn't doing my job as a husband and a father, you know? Hi. I actually reflect on that one a lot. And, and, and I'll go back. It all goes back to childhood programming. And I know that it all happens for a reason. So I'm not blaming my mother, but she literally told me I was selfish all the time. And I remember being, as a happy child, um, liking to... Um, you know, just go out and have fun and not want to work. And it, it really has been this ebb and flow, one extreme to another in my life where take care of people. That's how you get love. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other extreme of take care of yourself or you can't take care of anyone. So it's, it's been quite a journey. Um, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, your soul comes into this life and that was the lesson I needed to learn. Um, but the times when the most magic happened in my life was when I really focused on serving my family and others. Mm-hmm. And then the times when I got the most depleted happened then too. And I, I'm trying to find that middle ground. Well, I think part of that is part of that journey is to when you realize that the love is intrinsic to you and that if you start out by loving yourself then you give the opportunities opportunities opportunity for others to love you as well it's not that you have to choose one or the other it's choosing the direction of the flow right so allow it to flow through you to others as opposed to flowing from you to others right i actually have a a funny story because tracy was talking about childhood programming so my mother told me a story that when I was two, I really wanted a cookie, but I couldn't have another cookie. So what I did is I just brought the cookie jar out to the living room and I said, does everyone want a cookie? <laughs> that way that I felt like by having the cookies out there that I could have one myself. And it was kind of like, you know, so, you know, you're two years old and you're trying to work it and <laughs> trying to work a manipulation scheme to try to, to get that. But then later on, it's like I was always the smartest kid in my class. And, you know, there was so much bullying that was going on. But the time when the kids were nice to me is when I helped them with their homework. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I'm going to kick you in the in the in the playground. But can you help me with my math? <laughs> it's like and I always did. I always helped them with their math, even though they're horrible to me. So it was like one of those things that where you start to feel like your programming gets to be where, you know, well, if I do nice things for people, then they'll be nice to me and they won't kick me. You know, so it's like, that's the kind of stuff where it gets to be this weird thing. And then you get conditioned to think that somehow you need to keep doing something to be able to, you know, get people to, to be nice to you. And I think that's something that's a big shift of where I've realized as, as an adult, a conscious adult, that we need to be focused on, you know, being human beings, not human doings. Cause we think we have to do stuff all the time to be able to get love. And the bottom line is we have to, we don't have to do anything. We just have to be ourselves. Well, the love love is intrinsic. Uh, the love, you know, feeling love is within you all the time. It's just daring to let it out. Um, I was going to say, yeah, like 
there's got to be something right about our childhood programming. When I look at it, I think, wow, we come out and we have all these beliefs and stuff that we spend the rest of our life trying to unravel. And yet when Barbie tells that story, I see that, you know, it was, it was trying to, in a sense, get you to line up with your service to the world. Like I, I begin to see the rightness in it, even though it, uh, it was, it's can be difficult, right. If finding the balance, but then I think there, there must've been something right in that programming that it just made a search and look for something higher. Well, I think in my journey, when I look back and I look at these different things that I've experienced throughout my life, it's, it's like, okay, I didn't enjoy that. So what do I have to do to experience the opposite? You know, what does it feel to experience the opposite? Because if you don't experience both sides of it, you won't actually know what it is that you're experiencing. Experiencing pain is ne- necessary for you to experience what it feels not to have pain. No, right. no, I don't like those kind of lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like I had enough of those. I think um, Beckwith talks about that. He calls them Kensho and Satori, the hard ones and then the easy ones because you did the growth. And and I I like the easy ones and I agree that it comes through growth and it's not that they're easy. It's just that you're prepared. Well, sometimes I think you also have a choice. And like we were talking about before, the following your intuition uh, and really understanding, you know, when, when you, uh, when you are making a choice, you can choose your Kensho or your Satori moment, right? So depending on what path you take, whatever choice you make is going to be right. But, understanding if it's going to be a Kensho or Satori moment. When you look at something, oftentimes, and the, the, I talk to my clients about this, you can look at it uh, at the situation, if you have two choices, you can, on the face of it, it might, for your analytical mind, be an obvious choice. But when you actually sit down and you think, feel the experiences and you feel the different parts, and you kind of take a uh, bird's eye view of it, then the picture might look very different because suddenly you, what you see now is not what you're going to see when you look back at it uh, at the, uh, when you've uh, kind of passed that moment. I like that because that's true. What my analytical mind tells me to do sometimes and what I'll, I'll call it my gut tells me to do are often not the same. And what my gut's telling me to do is so different from the programming, I guess, yeah. that it's so unfamiliar. It, it's, it sometimes feels difficult to choose that, but if I don't choose it, then I get those, I guess they're the, the Ken show. Is that the hard one? The hard lesson? <laughs> yeah, I can never remember either, but what, one of them uh, it is anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and I, th- I think that's what happens also when we're talking about self-care. We look at our external environment and we see so much suffering and we're sitting in our, you know, in our comfortable house and we have food in our fridges and, and uh, it's almost like we feel guilty for taking care of ourselves while there's so much suffering going on. Um, or you'd ra- bring that down on a mi- uh, more on a macro scale uh, 
that you're spending time meditating while you know the kids are fighting or <laughs> something like that you know i find if i if i don't take that time for myself then i'm not able to show up as well uh, as good a, a parent as i can when i do spend that time with myself because then i'm able to deal with their experiences and understand their experiences from a totally different perspective as opposed to when i'm i'm riled up i'm standing there i'm i'm reacting from my emotions as opposed to observing from my awareness um and that's part of the self self care process for me is to finding that balance finding that calm and serenity to be able to show up in the moment and be observing as opposed to just reacting right my children might be a little older than yours i uh, they're in their mid 20s 25 27 and i felt like i really did well during those years i didn't react to my emotions um but maybe i, I you know suppressed a lot of stuff i had to at the end of that period of time uh because i did end up uh getting divorced and then having a pancreatic cancer diagnosis so but i i felt like i really held to my values and that was listening to my gut in those times but also did come in overgiving and definitely that was the result of it was the getting ill so and relationships breaking down and things sure. like that sure well and that's where we sacrifice our boundaries to satisfy other, the needs of others right and we say well that's okay they're only kids but it's not i mean you you have to be able as a human being you have to be able to uh, express your emotions and express how you feel um with of course without making the child feel guilty or sh- uh, shameful because then we're kind of passing the karma on <laughs> and our job is to break the karma cycle isn't it yeah my my kids actually my my oldest says i w- i was an awesome mom and he hopes he finds a woman like me and my youngest who was more feeling i think he was more tuned into how i felt right um i loved them and would do anything for them and they know that and i and i have but um but also I'm close to both of them so I yeah. like to think I did something right in there even even as I navigated it which I think that's what it is is a navigation well if if you look at uh, how you're taking care of yourself today is that different from how you took care of yourself say 10 years ago oh absolutely and do you think that if you were taking care of yourself the way you're doing now 10 years ago would you have felt guilty for doing that uh it was actually 10 years ago it took me 10 years to get to the point to really taking care of myself so i i went back 15 years i would say i didn't uh quite take care of myself enough and i i would have felt guilty yeah for doing a lot of the things i'm doing it, it was a pro- it was a process it literally i think took me 15 years to get to um ah but i had this always obstinate part of me that that did tune into that part inside that said that's not right because i 
taking care of myself and different levels um opposing a lot of you know the the mainstream kind of medical knowledge for that inner voice I really have always done that mm-hmm. yeah so yeah but I felt the strain of it so I guess that's the part that doesn't match up for me they felt the strain of going against um that analytical programmed stuff that part that's the part I'm I, I had to deal with, I would do it, but I, there was a dis, such a discomfort in it at the time. Now I'm like, no, this is me. This is the way I do things and I'm okay with it. it but it, it probably took me 30 years to get to that. <laughs> well, it does, doesn't it? I mean, it took me about 44 years to realize that it's actually okay to take care of yourself and, and uh, fill your own cup as it were. And people around you are going, when they realize they are going to be happy for you and they are going to be grateful that you have done that because you're going to be able to show up as a uh, more present and more you, as it were. I probably did it too. Like uh, when my oldest got sick for the first time and I went to like the emergency department and then the doctors gave him whatever um, Tylenol with codeine. And I went home and he vomited the rest of the night. And then I, when I got a hold of them the next day, I was like, you didn't tell me those side effects. You didn't tell me this, you, mm. you know, and, and they were like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then I, then I did not trust that narrative after yeah. that. And I sought out other wisdom and had huge fights with my ex-husband uh, because of that. And, uh, and I chose health and that's when I dove into more natural health, although not as much, not as much was available as there is now. but uh, yeah it was this uh, strain of having to fight it that I feel like is shifting now for self-care people are more open to I can choose I was just thinking that I would hope that at some point in time that they start to add that into school curriculums for kids for K through 12 because I think that having opportunity for you know I remember just being in preschool we used to have like you know our own little colored carpets and we would lie down and they would tell us to just take a little nap and you'd have a little snack and, you know, it'd be that kind of thing of where I think it was kind of built in, but then now you've got, at least in the U S you've got all this common core standards where you've got kids that are five years old going to school for eight and a half hours, which is like just crazy and, and wanting them to, to know everything that there's, you know, like they have standards that their parents are going like, are you kidding me? But I think that if you had the kind of stuff where you started adding the mindfulness and then the other parts about, you know, taking care of yourself and then mental health awareness of, you know, if you're feeling this way, you need to talk to somebody or, you know, even an emotions chart. I mean, I think in this podcast, we've talked a lot about the fact that people vacillate between three emotions and there's a whole spectrum of emotions. There's a whole palette. Like, you know, we were talking about painting. It's like, there's a whole palette of all sorts of colors and pixelations. And if you look at red, you can look at 17 to 50 different reds as opposed to like sad, mad, glad, you know, know, how totally monochrome to be in that. So such a flow. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, even with self-care now, it's like, I don't know how it is in in Europe, but you know, we have so many people that are on antidepressants and people who are antidepressants basically just numb themselves out. And they basically don't, you know, they don't even have the ability to have the full spectrum of emotions and they, they take them deliberately because they don't want to feel. And so I think that's the part too of where, 
having our emotions be something that's scary that we need to go away from or we need to like push them away isn't the, the answer. The answer is now learning how to handle those emotions and what do you do when you feel this way? What do you, you know, you need to talk to somebody. You need to have a conversation. You need to communicate. You know, I'm feeling this way. And so that, that's the part of where not always having people feel like they have to suffer in silence is also an important part. And I think if you had kids that were growing up with the ability to have some sort of mental health awareness and also, you know, it's important to take care. And if you've ever been around sixth graders, you know, that, that 10 to 12 year old age where they don't know that they smell, it's awful. <laughs> it's like, take a bath, you smell. Yeah, I agree. Terrible. <laughs> but the, uh, I think that is part of it. It's like, we think if we express our emotions that people are going to, uh, you know, it's that fear that people are going to react in a way that is going to be unpleasant for us. And so therefore we'd rather suppress our emotions rather than experience them because just experiencing them is going to be uh, uh, uncomfortable in all of in itself and then expressing them ooh, that's dangerous you know because then can people can react to it yeah i like what barbie said about um like five and six year olds going to school for the long periods of time it reminded me of a, a quote i think it was yogananda that said we were never taught to live we're yeah. taught all this other stuff i just wanted to say that yeah there there definitely needs to be a shift in that education. Well, and that's the whole idea with self-care is learning to live. Because when you learn to live, then you can show up as a role model and then people can see, oh, I like that. And then they can learn from you. Now, if you keep depleting yourself, then you're not going to have the energy energy to show up as a role model. And people are not going to look at you and say, oh, I want some of that. So part of that self-care is to live, learn how to live and learn how to live healthily, uh, you know, physically, mentally, and spiritually, right? So it's, it is that challenge because most of us have grown up with that programming like we were talking about before. And we actually have to then move in and change our programming ourselves. And that is then part of that process as we grow older. But that typically happens when we are older. Thankfully, I find this uh, the new generations coming up now are far more aware and far more willing to look after themselves in, in a slightly different way, at least in a spiritual way. Um, they, they are far more aware than our generations were, or at least mine. <laughs> um, so it's, but I mean, that, the whole process of self-care, I mean, for me, self-care is meditating in the morning and just coming into balance with myself and being aware of, my own experience and then you know either go to the gym or go for a run or something like that to have that physical exercise eating healthily having a nice breakfast um because then when i when my kids wake up and at least my 14 year old she's typically in a very bad mood in the morning which teenagers are 
um, then I don't need to meet her with how she's meeting me. I can meet her with a smile and good energy. Um, so we don't, nothing escalates, right? So that's the contribution I can give to her in that respect, right? So are there any practices uh, you guys have that you can share that shows how you do self-care? I definitely took up meditation um, when, when I had gotten sick. It was the first thing I went to. And um, I think it's all those years of hearing it from different podcasts, different speakers, you know, traveling uh, around and listening to people. So I think that's why talks about this makes a difference. Then when people are faced with that hard moment, they know where to turn. But I definitely, I start my mornings with meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, then I go into, you know, some moving form of exercise, whether, you know, it's uh, yoga or qigong or something. Um, the part that I find is I'll get into the routine and then I don't know when to take a break from it and give myself a day off. So that's kind of, you know, that swing. I'll do it and I'll do it and I'll do it. I'll be very regimented. It's when, when do you give yourself a day off too? So I just wanted to mention that, that there's got to be in that, a piece of that, right? Well, it's, it's the balance, right? It's having the balance between, uh, because if we are doing things that we enjoy and we cherish, then perhaps we don't need a break because it's, it's, you, you don't need a break from uh, taking a shower or eating food, right? So they, they do become part of your routine and they're just, things you do and they feel good and you, you're able to show up, right? I was going to say that to me, I think one of the most profound things that I heard from a mentor a long time ago is he just said that your whole life is a spiritual exercise. So if your whole life is a spiritual exercise, I also agree in the sense of where it's like, I don't need to necessarily take time off. I, I mean, at, at this moment, I'm probably doing four things at once to be able to just, you know, come into this apex of manifestation that's been phenomenal and amazing but I also know that you know when I instead of remote working was coming home from work every day to me one of the most self-care things I could do was open up my sunroof and blast my music and sing my heart out for 30 minutes or so until I got home because I would release all that carbon dioxide and it was just you know it's like party for one on the (laughs) <laughs> on, the, on the five freeway do, down in uh, Southern California. But it's still, it's like, you know, that's the kind of thing of where it's like, wherever you are, there you are. And you have, you know, you're the common denominator in all those different things. And so it's kind of like, you know, I think it's also making that shift. That's what I was talking about before about becoming the VIP of your own life. It's like, you know, it can be like, okay, I'm going to go home now. Or it's like, yes, it's party time. Let's turn up the music and let's sing. And then you're like bumping up, you know, on, on the freeway and then you feel good. And then you come home and then you're in a good mood because you basically just kind of shifted from work to home. And I, and I mean, for me, part of my self-care has always been in the past that I don't take work home with me. So literally it's like, that is my disconnection of where the singing and the, and the music in the car is a disconnection from that space. And then when I go into my, what I call my private life, they're just completely separate. And that's the way that I don't allow those two things to bleed together. So I think that's also a part of self-care because I think for a lot of people, we're so connected digitally that 
people, you know, it's like work 24 seven. And it's like, you know, the kids that are there and then, you know, daddy's constantly, you know, at, he's at a restaurant on the cell phone because he's doing a deal in Singapore or whatever. It's like, you know, I, I understand that, but by the same token, I think part of the self-care too is the connection with the family and other people. And that when you're present with people, you're completely present with them. And that means, you know, device free and you're not sitting there because it's so sad. I don't know if it's like that in Europe, but it's so sad in California to go to a restaurant and see like six people together and they're all on their phones and they're not talking. That just to me, I, I just find that tragic. So, and I hope that that's something at certain points in the future, we get to a point where we have, you know, restaurants that are device free or other things like that, because I think it's really important if you're going out to space to go eat and spend time together, spend time together. Like you can put your phone away. Yeah, I mean, there are pubs and restaurants now where you actually have to <clears throat> hand in your phone as well when you arrive. Because, yeah, that, that, that epidemic is uh, rife here in Europe as well, unfortunately. Um, I think less so in Southern Europe. But definitely up here in England, it's, uh, it is a problem. But I suppose when you go to the pub, people are talking, they're chatting, and uh, not so much on the cell phone, I suppose, or the mobile. Um, but the, um, yeah, and the, the blasting, the music, driving on the freeway in Southern California, I think people dream of that, Barbie. So uh, <laughs> clearly a, a very healing and a cathartic way of expressing yourself there whether you can or can't sing, which in my case is uh, can't. So, I, I was just going to say about the restaurant comment that Barbie made that, and I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world. I'm in Canada and they have intermittently shut down the, the restaurants. So I think after all of this, people may be more appreciative and so they may be more present. Yeah, possibly, possibly. I think, <laughs> but also most of us here have experience that shift from not taking care of ourselves to taking care of ourselves. So what is the experience in terms of people around us? What, what has the reaction been? I'd say for myself, it's been very mixed. There's certainly people that don't uh, kind of exist in my life as much anymore because they don't, they don't, I don't know if it's because they would like to do something about them, it themselves. And when they see me doing it, they feel guilty and ashamed that they're not doing it. I'm not sure, but it's something doesn't resonate with them to be around me as the person I am today, as opposed to the person I was six years ago. So, um, so it's an interesting thing. I agree with that for other people. It's really difficult. Um, for me, when I decided on how I was going to care for myself, like with a, with a serious diagnosis, uh, there were some people, very close family members that I just couldn't, couldn't have in my circle. So because their reactions, I couldn't manage their reactions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, so part of my self-care was to say, I just can't talk to you today and just not answer the phone and and that was some of the hardest part, like overcoming in myself as self-care yeah. is saying, this is going to hurt me at this point in time, their energy or their opinion, because I know everyone's well-meaning, but it's not going to help me. And so actually kind of shutting that door, that was a, that's a difficult part of it. You, you have to really um, be 
be sure of what you want to let into your energy when you're really moving towards self-care, especially like when you have something serious that is life-threatening. You have to know. And I think it makes you do make those decisions. Did you not find or did you find that people were not accepting of the choices that you made because they would take it as a personal affront that you weren't letting them in kind of thing or because I, I would have uh, thought that you know if you have a serious diagnosis that people would be more understanding as to oh she's going through this i need to you know back off um some people were like that definitely chris some people are like oh i'm you know i don't know what i would do so they back off and other people became very forceful they were like you will do what the doctors say and you will and and i know it came from a good caring place mm-hmm. and it came from two family members and one of them because i have a very close relationship with anyways i was able to say look i will go and i will listen to what they have to say um and and then then i did kind of not answer the phone for a bit after that because I mean, it was, it was my brother and I know that he loves me to the end of the world. And he literally tried to scare me into doing what the doctor said, because when he went to his doctor, his doctor said, she'll be dead in three months if she doesn't do what we say. And so he was scared. And I knew that because I knew him. Uh, The other family member just uh, is more of, I would call unconscious and blindly follows and worries. And it's just this constant natter. And I just was like, I'm not talking to you. I cannot talk to you. It, it just depended where it came from. But as a matter of self-care, I had to, I had to really choose and had to let their reactions be their reactions. Mm-hmm. So for you, it was because you chose an alternative route that wasn't agreeable to the establishment and to uh, your family members that pissed them off. Because they, they were like, oh, you're sacrificing yourself for your principles kind of thing. Maybe, yeah. They, they were scared. They, I guess mm-hmm. they were scared for me. Um, and, and I might be a little different. I wasn't scared of dying. I was scared of not living and feeling good about how I lived. Yeah. That's incredible. So, That's super strong to pull that off. So well done for you. Sometimes you just let your soul take over, right? Yeah. Well, no, um, stronger people would have uh, caved in, I'm sure. So well done for you, Tracy. Well done. I'm just going to say, too, that, you know, Tracy, I really appreciate your bravery in sharing that. And I think that I know that having dealt with a chronic illness that I would say is like having a two-year-old toddler with you all all times who has demands and don't ever know when they're going to have a temper tantrum. But one thing I really, really appreciated was the fact there are a lot of places where it's look it's looking also though that the sickness, the illness is not your identity. Because I think a lot of times people come into that in space of like, you know, oh, I'm a cancer survivor, I'm a this survivor, I'm a this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I know, like for example, even you know, Marissa Peer talks about the fact that, you know, when you talk about symptoms, you talk about the symptoms, not my symptoms, the, you know, you, you disassociate in a different way. And then stepping into that space. And so it's like, you know, my chronic illness isn't under control, but by the same token, it's like, it's diminished in many, many ways. And I'm pretty much off of almost all medication just because of the fact that to me, 
I also choose my own path. And then the other part too, is just the, you know, with the morbidity question too, is that everybody has a directive. So I know I have a hospital directive. I've had five near death experiences in my life, but I have a, a hospital directive. I have a DNR that's a do not resuscitate. So if I'm not going to make it, I've had a couple of surgeries where I almost didn't make it. I didn't make it. That's what my time is. When my ticket is ready to be punched, it's going to get punched and there's nothing I can do about it. And just being in acceptance of that. And that's the part too, but there are a lot of people where, you know, I've watched family members who are, you know, stuck with like, you know, 15, 20 different tubes that look like, you know, Thanksgiving turkey dinner and, and, and they're in such misery and they don't want to be there and they don't want to experience that. And so to me, the most humane thing is to give them the choice as to what they want to do. So I think that's the part too, that I think the sovereignty of your own body, the sovereignty of your own self-care is also very, very important and that you can go to a doctor, but they call it practicing medicine, not perfected, right? It's practicing because they're telling you what they think that you should be able to do. But a lot of times they don't know your specific circumstances. So that's where you take your own care into your own consideration. You get a second opinion or a third opinion, and then you decide what you want to do for yourself. So I think that's one of the most important things with self-care too, is that it's your choice. Well, and I, I think in Tracy's case there, they probably felt that, oh, she's going down doing all these alternative things and it's it's reckless, right? And because people, when it's not relating to them, but they are going to be, um, they are going to be uh, kind of suffering from it as in, in from their own perspective, uh, they take it as uh, personal uh, a front towards them and they feel it's reckless against them not realizing that it's the individual's choice and the individual's choice to do to practice self-care with themselves uh, for me decision like tracy death is a very conscious decision and it's a matter of like deciding that you decide because most of the people feel very uh, good when someone they can blame someone else and then they leave everything to the doctors. Uh, I'm not saying that conventional medicine is bad, just like the thing that like, sometimes there are many things that are in practice. Um, I got to a point where my mom was supposed to go to a clinical trial. And uh, I started asking the doctor how, uh, how much he can give me, like what is the longest period of life that he is able to tell me that she will feel good. And he starts smiling and he couldn't stop and ask what happened. And he just said, like, uh, nobody ever asked me that question. Uh, people just agree uh, mm. with, without any, any consideration on any other option without, uh, because it's easy. Then the doctor decide for me and that's the best decision. And something that Tracy did is very brave for me. It's like really you, you, you're conscious, you know your possibilities, you, you decide that you live the life the way you want. And it's like just the whole mind concept because like people watch it like just one matter decision and it's very constructed on different levels. It's just not the mind, it's the food, it's the way of living, it's the people around, the place you live. A lot of things are in the whole uh, needed in order to heal so um, from any point and any kind of any kind of matter that we pass so for me this is very important um, like part in our life and I, I do agree that it's very hard 
sometimes to explain to others just because you have different opinion, but maybe that's the biggest value that we have at this point. Well, we do have a tendency to externalize our self-care. So whether it is going to the doctor or, you know, taking the advice of others or saying, you know, you've had a crappy day at work instead of, you know, taking the sunroof down and belting out your favorite songs, you go home and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go home and have that gin and tonic and, you know, perhaps I can feel a little bit better and perhaps hopefully my wife had a better day and I can, you know, get some of her good energy as opposed to realizing that self-care and that enjoyment and feeling good exists within ourselves and it exists within the choices that we make and it's the again part of the process of understanding what we can control because you know we can't control everybody else's reactions we can't control what everybody else does right so we can only control our thoughts our words our actions and that's it you know Uh, so we I think part of the journey is to realize that your self-care journey begins with you. It begins from within you and not from your doctor. Because often, at least in the Western world where all of us live uh, right here, right now, you know, we, when we get sick, we go to the doctor, but it's, being able to take care of ourselves before we get up, up to that point, that's the healing journey. You know, it's <laughs> its not from the point where, yes, of course, it is from when we, when we do get sick as well. But at the same time, its uh, it starts far beyond uh, before that. And I think I, I heard that, you know, in Chinese medicine, you, you pay the doctor until you get sick and then he has to treat you for free because his job is to keep you healthy, not to, uh, uh, you know, make your symptom, symptom free as it is in the, in the Western world. Um, yeah, so, yeah. That do make sense. That, that do make sense. And I used to send something like we all go with our consciousness to sleep. Uh, so uh, other people' reaction is like them's consciousness that they go with that consciousness to sleep, and we need to be good with our own consciousness yeah. in order to have a good sleep. So uh, definitely, it's all in ourselves. Yeah, and it's having the awareness that and the power of choice, because taking care of yourself is a choice, and we just go through life choosing not to do it. You know, <laughs> and it's that day when we wake up and go, oh, heck, I can actually choose to take care of myself. And then you, re- then the journey starts, right? Um, I like both what uh, Anna and uh, Barbie were saying, like Barbie about choice. Uh, that's a huge thing for me. I think we all need to have choice because we know ourselves if we pay attention. We know ourselves better than anyone, better than any doctor. And then what Anna said about asking, most people, yeah, they give away their their power and and just accept without questioning. And and that right to question the outcomes of of what's being offered is is a huge part of self care. Is asking the questions. And and I think a lot of people operate from fear. I love this quote by Marcus Aurelius. 
um, it's not death that we should fear, but rather that we might never begin to live. Uh, it's very true. And the, the most dangerous thing you can do is to be born because it guarantees your death, right? You, you might as well l live it while you can. <laughs> yes, we're all dying. You can't get out alive, but yeah. But well, at least yeah. we can live while we're here. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and that's the point. We are so bloody busy you know dying as opposed to start living you know <laughs> we're here to live not here to die so um but we need need to realize that for for the part of our, uh, our self-care right i was also just going to mention too in the sense of where one of the things that i feel like what tracy was talking about as well is that whole self-journey where you go on to these different kinds of modalities is that you know you don't know what you don't know and if you go you know a lot of times I mean, a chronic illness means that there's no cure. So unfortunately, when you have a chronic illness, they just kind of tell you, well, you know, try this, try that. And then it doesn't work. And you're like, all right, well, we don't really have anything else in our little magic bag of tricks. So sorry. And it's like, okay. But then I think it, it is the journey where you do go into this beautiful direction of self-discovery and you find out of all these different things. And, you know, it's like, I literally feel like I almost got my own dissertation on, on, uh, you know, on all sorts of like, holistic uh, supplements and this and that and I mean so on and so forth and by being able to have all of this this knowledge you do seek out something that's on the perspective of elsewhere and and that's something over and then you can bring that to other people which is something that I'm also doing coming up very soon so by having that opportunity you experiment with that and I know for a while I used to to you know laugh because I would go into my kitchen and I look like I had the vitamin shop because it would just be literally just bottles and bottles and bottles of all of these things that I was, you know, trying and trying and trying and Hawaiian medicinal things and traditional this and traditional that. And it's like, the bottom line is that I think a lot of it really has to do with coming into acceptance in the sense of where, okay, for whatever reason, I shut myself down by creating this illness because it always has to have a payout. There has to be something as the reason why we created it. And so therefore it's like, you know, when you have an illness, then you can kind of just check out and you you have the excuse in the sense of where you don't have to participate because you have the illness and so it's like instead it's like stepping into this different direction and so it's like I feel like a lot of it is having a different relationship with the illness itself and switching into a different space in the sense of where from that point of view the relationship with it is different and you come into acceptance with it and it's not you know this this horrific thing I mean you look at, at you know an oyster has a pearl and when you look at a pearl, a pearl is really like a, a tumor because it's literally like a piece of sand that this poor oyster is like, get this piece of sand out of my shell. It's pissing me off. And it just keeps secreting this stuff over and over and over and over and over again. So we go, ooh, $10,000 black Tahitian pearl. Wow. Isn't this <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like the biggest annoyance of its life is the fact that it has this damn piece of sand you know, that it has or the fly in the ointment, but by the same token from that comes something absolutely beautiful. And that's the part too. It's like, and I, and I just really quickly, it's like, I love the story of the emperor moth because it's one of the most beautiful animals in the world. And some scientists saw that it went through this horrific chrysalis that looked so painful. So they decided to cut the side of it, to see whether or not it would be easier for the butterfly to be able to come out. And it came out completely deformed. And what was amazing about it is that they, you know, they had the realization that the chrysalis, this ugly, 
you know, caterpillar, chrysalis, metamorphosis is absolutely necessary for this gorgeous mariposa, this gorgeous butterfly, capalua, this gorgeous papillon, this gorgeous schmetterling to come out, <laughs> eat gorgeous thing and just flap those gorgeous wings. And I mean, if you ever get to see a morpho blue iridescent butterfly down in Costa Rica, it's like, it's one of those magical beings on, on this planet, but it has to go through that journey. And it's like that self-care. We're all here because we've been through a journey of transformation of where we said we wanted more. And because of that, it's like, I think in a lot of ways, the people on the personal growth, there's that beautiful destruction, but then there's that beautiful completion also of where from that place, you also have a point of peace and you can share that with other people. Yeah. Some people are not going to enjoy seeing you go through that journey. And some people are going to see it, the beauty of it, the end results. You know, some people are going to want to help kind of make an incision in that chrysalis for you. Um, but that's not, then not going to be of assistance to you. Um, but some people are going to be able to see you going through that journey and see the end results of it, for sure. I, d I just like that metaphor. Um, uh, I hadn't heard that before, Barbie. That uh, was beautiful. It, and, and I've heard too, it's like, it's like birthing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you push and you push and push. But if, if you didn't know what was coming, it, it's sometimes hard. And I think that's where the growth part works. Like uh, I was fortunate, to me, I was fortunate. I've always been interested in personal growth. And I've always, uh, you know, like Barbie, been into figuring out what, how do I correct this and, and how do I make my life better and how do I feel better? And, and when we're not asking those questions of ourselves, when we're not going on that journey, um, I think that's when we get those hard lessons. And even though I went on that journey, then when the diagnosis came, I actually was prepared. Like I, I never felt a calmness. Like I had really done, done my best and done everything I had. And for it to come, it was like, it's okay. You know, I, it really is okay. I couldn't have done more in my life. That goes to one of those principles of, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz, you know, always do your best. Mm -hmm. And when we show up, always doing our best, learning and growing and participating in the world at that level, then I, I think the, that it comes easier. And so, yeah, learning about everything we can instead of, um, turning our power over to someone else to say um, there was a time for that. Don't get me wrong. Like everybody needs an emergency care at some point and then you go out and you figure it out. Right. But at least if you go and you figure it out after that. Yeah. And I, I think that brings us to another big part of uh, self-care is acceptance that you accept your own journey and you accept everybody else's journey but you also accept that their journeys are not your journey. So we, we do tend to have this, or we have this tendency to want to rescue everybody else from their own journeys, especially our children. Uh, whereas the right thing might be to actually allow them to have their journeys. Because the more we try to rescue them, the more we're depleting ourselves and the less we are going to be able to show up as a support for them um, as they are going through that journey. Um, so acceptance, I think, 
is a key aspect of self-care. Uh, and at least for me as a parent, it's, it's one of the more difficult ones to allowing my children to, you know, have the uh, fail on their own by their own choice, right? At least, you know, just make sure that I, I, re I, I guide them towards uh, a good, good uh, end, uh, outcome. But, you know, and uh, if it's a uh, life danger that, that I help them against that. But other than that, that they are allowed to learn from their own experiences, right? So I find that's one of the cha more challenging ones anyway. So I think that there are some key points in the idea of, uh, of self-care that we can all bring in immediately in our lives, which is, you know, your self-care is not extrinsic to you. It's within yourself and it's having the audacity to <laughs> look inside and to find that from within yourself as opposed to relying on everybody else to uh, be, uh, you know, to fix you as it were. And accepting that you don't need to fix everybody else either. Uh, so. I just wanted to add one last thing to those that one mm -hmm. of the things and I've worked with a lot of clients too, and it's also the, the piece of that too. And I know that you've witnessed this as well. I think it's really, really important for us to not feel like anybody is broken because ultimately it's like this journey is our journey. And so ultimately the concept of fixing other people is from the perspective that they're broken, defective, or there's something wrong with them. And again, it's like when we oftentimes allow other people to have their journey, et cetera, we don't necessarily have to participate in the bad behavior, but by the same token, it's like, I think I had to come into acceptance that I wasn't broken or defective because I had this. And so from that perspective, it just really shifted things. And so instead it's just like, okay, these are, these are the situations. So what can I do to, you know, manifest back to, you know, re resetting my blueprint. And from that perspective, it, it really changed. But I think it's, it's, it's an important thing that a lot of people do look at people as broken or that they are needing to be fixed based on their own. And so I just wanted to put that out there in the sense of where we are all in, in process in our journeys. Well, and I appreciate that. I think that's, that's very important to keep in mind that we are all works in progress. Um, and there is nothing wrong with anything that, irrespective of what part of the journey we are at. So I appreciate that input, Barbie. Thank you very much. Okay, beautiful. Thank you very much, everybody. And uh, I'll, uh, hope you have a wonderful day ahead and uh, practice that self-care. I hope you've gained an insight into how you might be able to balance self-care into your life as uh, life is all about balance and uh, self-care is no different in that respect. So if you are interested in uh, looking at self-care as an aspect into your life and how you can incorporate it into your life, we might be able to help you in that process at the Alchemy Experience, uh, our coaching workshops. We work with these topics all the time and uh, you can uh, take advantage of our 30-minute free consultation to see if uh, we are indeed the place for you to work on these 
challenges uh, for yourself. So if you visit thealchemyexperience.co.uk, you can find a link to schedule a 30-minute free consultation with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there. If not, we'll uh, hopefully see you at the next podcast. In the meantime, take care of yourself and enjoy.